Well, hey, good morning. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, my name is Josh. This is your first time. Welcome to Resonate. Can we thank uh, Omid and crew? It's fantastic work this morning. Uh, so, this morning we're talking about politics. Welcome to the last week of Resonate. <laughs> it's been a really, it's been a really good run. Uh, no, I'm actually I'm really, really excited for what we're gonna do this morning. It is, uh, it, it's just so brave and bold of us to step into these conversations, and I think they're ones that like truly, truly need to be had in spaces like this. And so, uh, as we walk into this, and I've said this every week, and I'm gonna read our four rules, but there's really a fifth rule that's kind of the granddaddy rule of them all, and uh, it is be an adult. So I want everyone in this room to repeat, be an adult. Ready? Be an adult. Yeah. That was very disembodied and wonderful. Um, yeah, so what we're gonna talk about this morning might not be your cup of tea, and I want this to be a huge disclaimer. Uh, these are the kind of conversations we should be having here. They're not the type of conversations we should be having over a screen, or a keyboard, and unfortunately, that is all too often the case. Like, that's the place where we're really talking about politics, and we're getting angry about politics, and I don't know if you've been on Facebook lately, but I usually leave mad. <laughs> I go, like, I, it's every time I open my phone, oh, I've got one of those little, like, red one dots, let's see, and then I get lost for, like, 10 minutes, and then I leave just, like, frustrated, discombobulated, and wanting to pull my hair out. I don't have much hair, so that takes a lot. <laughs> um, but, so these are the spaces, these, these mornings, this is so intentional and so fun that we get to be able to do this because the, the chances of you really compromising when you're looking at something on a screen or you're going through your social media feed, something like actually to change your mind or your heart, it's just not really possible, right? We need to actually have face-to-face -face interactions with people and we need empathy for people because empathy is really the driving force behind your heart changing behind you changing your mind, your views, and, and loving people where they're at. And so what we're doing here is creating a space for empathy. empathy. This is a safe space, and we've got people all across the political spectrum who are gonna be sharing with us this morning. And the cool thing is they're pulled right from our midst. So we went real local this time, and we've got people who are involved in this community who are gonna be sharing with us. Uh, and before we do that, I'd like to pray. Before I do that, I'd like to give us the other four rules besides being an adult, which just remember, be an adult. All right. Um, it is here. Uh, so rule number one is we are going to create an equal playing field. So what that means is we're going to be there. Going to be moments where we simply don't agree with what's going on on stage, and that's a part of this whole learning curve. If you hear something that you don't like, recognize it, hang with it, and then show it to the door. These aren't debates. There is no winner. Our times together over the next few weeks are about conversations between people of differing beliefs, and this is church. So welcome. Please, don't ever leave here thinking that your side lost. That's not what this is about. These are conversations. Um, number two, check your assumptions at the door. I really went door-themed on these as I'm reading. Okay, I guarantee you that someone on one of these panels is going to offend you simply because of what they represent. But again, these are people. So this is really, really key here. They may be representing a certain ideal, but that is not who they are. People are deep complex individuals, they're very complicated and very strange, and we're gonna see that this morning. <laughs> but they aren't just that one belief, so it's important to remember that. Even if they say something, they're like, whoa, 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 way off base. Remember, this is like a person, and you can have a donut with them afterwards. Um, donuts heal. Uh, rule number three, 
everyone has the right to be human. And, and this gets back to that humanity aspect. There may be emotional moments, there may be hysterical moments, there may be angry moments, but everybody has the right to sit here and feel what they're gonna feel, and you have the right to sit there and feel what you're gonna feel. I love the idea of this being conversations, because the whole point is they may be having a conversation, but we are all very, very much a part of it. I don't know if you've ever walked into like a circle of friends and all of them are talking and you're kind of nodding your head and you're there and you'll just leave without saying a single word, but you really feel like, no, I was a part of that conversation. That's what this is. We are all participating. So sit with your feelings. You're allowed to be human. Uh, and number four, and this is really important, we're going to practice consensual dialogue. This means that no matter what, this is a conversation and not a debate. I can't stress this enough. Leave room for others to speak. Truly listen without planning your next answer and speak lovingly. Deal? We're all good? Be an adult. I want to keep my job. <laughs> all right. Uh, let me pray for our time this morning. And then Stephen Canfield is going to be our moderator, so I'll ask you to welcome him. But let me, uh, let me pray. Lord, I, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for uh, a space where we can come together and talk about what truly matters most. And, and Lord, uh, I want to stress this extra heavy this morning. We recognize that you are here and in this place. And so you're going to guide this conversation. You're going to guide this lovingly. And so I just, I just pray over our entire panel. I pray we have a blast doing this. This can be a really fun thing to be able to talk about, be able to work through. And I pray that you would insert joy in everything that we do this morning. Amen. So would you guys give a rousing round of applause for our moderator, Stephen Canfield, and the panel.
the idea here is that, that can feel kind of rare right now. We want to see what that can, what that can look like. Uh, that's on you guys. <laughs> awesome. So, so I guess from there, um, why don't we start with each of you sort of giving an introduction to yourself and maybe a description of sort of where you'd see yourself um, on the political spectrum. So you want to start? Because you're married. I heard that this is the uh, start talking chair, so I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Tess. Um, yeah, I'm also married to Stephen because no one wanted to be here. Last <laughs> 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 option. Um, so <laughs> um, you're really in for a treat. Um, so my political background, I grew up in the Midwest, and I actually, in high school, was pretty politically active as a Republican, and um, more on the conservative side. And then as I moved away, lived in Boston, and moved here, I've become increasingly more liberal and democratic. So I would actually like lean pretty far left at this point in my life if I were to have to say, um, which in this case I do. Um, <laughs> but I did wear my little elephant necklace as a sign of peace. sort of that stat earlier about stress, right? Um, yeah, I guess I'm just curious from you to be sort of how the last year or so has felt um, from where you sit on the spectrum. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think it's been, 
think I see a lot of people that are stressed out. I'm not feeling a lot of stress, and I don't want to sell sell those people's feelings short uh, or discount that by any means. But I think you know we had the ability to, or we continue to have the ability to vote in elections and, and to be able to to tell people our views, right, without having to worry too much about uh, being being killed for it or, or you know other sorts of things. Um, and I think what we've really experienced is a lot of, I guess, more entertainment and people worrying about, you know, I saw this on the news and this is what we're worrying about uh, versus really having something that's that's a true stress, right? Like, I'm not worried about it's food coming on my table because of what happened in this particular election, um, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned more about, I don't know if I'm saying this in a, in a great way, but I'm worried about different things, things that are beyond just my basic survival needs, um, and that's kind of a good thing, right? Like, I don't have to worry about somebody breaking down my door and coming to arrest me because I agreed or disagreed with, with a political thing. Um, so I guess, to me, it's just been really frustrating to see people having that stress over something that, to me, is not, not as big of a deal as, as I think uh, I think our media has made it out to be, and I think um, when they have a um, I think that it's been a few years for me because one of my uh, sort of deepest held beliefs about the world is um, in sort of the human uh, dignity of people. And I think as people have become uh, more polarized about issues of racism in the last few years, that, that stress was already building for me. Um, and then I think the election cycle just sort of amplified some of those things. Um, but I think my reaction in the last say six months, has been more to step back and consider what can I do productively um, with regard to that stress. Because um, you can always sit with that stress <laughs> so long before you're either going to act proactively or you're going to act negatively, as we see in the stats. Um, so I think in some ways, it's, it's actually just driven me to be more thoughtful and to, to begin to choose places of action. That's how I'm dealing with it. Um, yeah, I feel like I've sort of gone through like, all the stages of grief <laughs> over these last few months. Like at first, um, after the election, I like was in shock, and then I was really angry, and then I was depressed, and I feel like I'm finally getting to a bit of a place of acceptance and, and trying to get back to productivity. Um, but yeah, I have, I have good days and bad days. Like some days I feel like really positive about where we're heading because I'll read a stat about how overall um, violent crime is going down and I feel great about that and go society. And But then, you know, not to totally disagree with what David is saying, there are people that I think feel physically threatened based off of their beliefs and who they are and what they look like. And that makes me anxious even though I'm person of privilege living in Santa Monica and don't have to deal with those things. So um, as a woman, yeah, I deal with some stuff. But so yeah, it's it's a bit of a roller coaster for me right now, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So to stick with me for a minute and on the subject of roller coasters, um, where's where are we going from here, everybody? This is exactly <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you talked a little bit about your being shifted. Um, I'm curious what changed and how that process worked. Yeah, I mean it's been like half of my life. So I was 17 feeling one thing and now I'm 30. Um, so I think age um, 
living in different places, growing up in the Midwest, then moving to the East Coast and the West Coast, I think changes your mind on things. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing for me has been seeing the world and especially our country change. I think um, to give a specific example, with states' rights, which is more of a conservative stance and more, you know, federal um, power as a more liberal stance on especially social issues, like seeing something like gay marriage come, let's just get in there, like come in through the, the conversations. I mean, I think 30 years ago when our country, we didn't have cell phones and we stayed in more places and people stayed in the same jobs for 20 years and we had our little societies and people didn't move around as much. I think giving states rights and letting people live in their more, uh, not isolated, but smaller communities maybe made sense. But I think as our country becomes more nebulous and you know companies are opening this office and this office and we're working from here and there and the way that our lives are shifting to be more intraconnected, like it, it makes less sense to me to have certain issues like a gay marriage thing go to the states because what happens if somebody's working for a company in California where that's legal and then their company wants to move them to North Carolina where it's not. And it, it really, those types of things don't start to make less sense to me. So I think as our way of being as a country has changed very quickly to me over time, um, I think my beliefs on state versus federal has changed a lot, which is a pretty core stance between two parties. That's interesting. I mean, I guess, um, you know, we sort of talked about where you all see, see yourself on the spectrum and sort of, sort of what that looks like right now. I guess I'm curious what motivates your political group. So, you know, what are sort of the, the reasons to believe what you believe and, you know, where is it all this space? Um, I'm going to butcher the Latin because I'm not great at Latin, but um, there's a, a term that's been in the church for a long time called the Imago Dei, meaning um, the image of God in humanity. And I think that that basic premise, which comes out of my 30-some years of faith, um, motivates kind of the core of what I believe in politics. Um, it drives what I believe about you know, human rights. It drives what I believe about trying to find practical solutions to problems for people in general. It, it also drives what I believe about how to have these conversations and how to honor you know, people's opinions and perspectives and having those. Um, more sort of, you know, the narrative of my story, I also grew up in a family where you would better know how to back up your opinion if you were gonna say anything, and that's still the case. Uh, I have five younger brothers, I've literally watched them uh, practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu moves while arguing Greek philosophy. So you can just imagine. <laughs> it was just like the huge. So um, so that's what I come from. Um, so, you know, and, and then I, you know, I came from a fairly conservative Christian family. Um, grew up going to magnet school with people from a variety of backgrounds. So I think my whole life I've had to think thoughtfully about what I believe, and that's been kind of the structural thing that has driven the construction of my beliefs. And it's probably why I end up like more liberal than people expect on some things and more conservative than people expect on other things because I've had to listen to so many perspectives that really take them to heart. So. Um, so this is a tough one. I would say I'm kind of on the opposite end of that. Of I just 
do not trust people fundamentally. I think, you know, there are some people that you can trust and are trying to do the right thing, but a lot of times, especially in the government, they're not looking out for the greater good. I think they're looking out for their, their own better, better good. Um, so I think that forms some of my opinions. You know, if, if a politician is telling me one thing and I like it, that just means I like that person's lie. And if I don't like it, that means they're lying and I don't like what they're telling me because that lie is different, um, which is maybe really cynical and, and awful. But I think we've seen so many times where, yeah. um, and then trying to balance that with this, this faith that I have and this idea of how do we help other people? You know, and how do we make sure that they're fed and clothed and, and have these basic needs that everybody deserves? Um, I think that part is formed through my faith. So it's always kind of a struggle between I really, really don't trust humans, but I want I want to, and I want to be able to believe that you know we can come together and, and, and make it a little bit better here on Earth um, for more than just ourselves. That's about maybe what you feel like about it. It's maybe you spoke about it a little bit in terms of changing the. Yeah, I mean, um, my faith does motivate a lot of what I do, but. I like to think, and I could be deluding myself, that a lot of what motivates my political beliefs are more like statistics. And um, I know in an age of alternative facts, it's hard to say this, but like more facts, like what what does the data show us on an issue? Um, what do we see in another country? And would that work for our country based off of size and demographics? And so I, I really try to actually take a lot of my personal feelings, opinions, you know, even might my faith be telling me and try to think what's what's practically gonna work here and what have we seen and what's the what's the proof that we see to make up a policy or enforce a policy. So I try to actually take a lot of my personal feelings out of it and try to be highly logical. Obviously it's easier said than done, but yeah. I think one thing that um is very positive as it relates to sort of this conversation is, is when I hear you all, you sort of describe yourselves in different places on the spectrum. I think there's a conversation going on about how um, everybody on the spectrum hates one another. And generally, a lot of people on certain sides hate the other side and believe them to be, in some cases, evil. And what I just heard from everybody is, I think it, it seems like something that's, that's common is providing for people and wanting to do good for people. You know, that seems to be a common thing. Maybe a good place to start the conversation from outside of this of this discussion. Um, so all these sort of mentioned faith within that. I mean, um, here's another fun fact. Um, so a recent study from the Washington Post that was also statistically accurate found approximately 14% of Christians left their churches after November's election. Um, I'm curious where church fits into the political conversation. Uh, what do you see its role being? Um, what do you think churches should do? What do you think churches should do? Yeah, I can start. You guys know my We talked about this. Um, I'd say church has absolutely no place in politics. Uh, you know, if you throw your weight behind a politician or uh, an idea and it goes south, or it goes, you know, it, it could be good or it could be bad, but you're putting your entire faith, you're putting uh, your entire church, people that agree with you, but also disagree with you, all behind one person, 
that's very, very human. Uh, and if they make you look terrible, that's, that's not what the church is here for. I think the church can be a place to have these kind of conversations and to meet people that disagree with you and have talks in, in respectful ways. But ultimately, the church shouldn't be saying, vote for this guy or vote yes on this, vote no on that. Uh, the church needs to be kind of the, I guess, the supplement. So, you know, if, if this person we're seeing after we voted for things or voted for, pe for people is underserved, right? We, we notice that they're being ignored. That's where the church needs to go. That's what they need to be focusing on. Um, and I think if you if you throw too much weight behind an issue or a person, you're just you're just going to get not only yourself burned, but the church, and you're going to have these 14 percent of people leaving because they didn't totally agree with this position that we took. Mm -hmm. This is something where I agree and disagree. <laughs> um, I think that there's
you're a Christian, do you hate gay people? And I think um, oftentimes just find myself apologizing um, because there has been a lot of hurt and damage done in the name of God and in the name of the church. And so if anything, my experience has been super apologetic um, as a Christian. And I'm okay with that. Like if that's gonna lead somebody to healing, and saying, oh, okay, like, maybe if you're a Christian, you don't fit into this narrative that is all I hear about on, you know, CNN or whatever. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with sitting there and apologizing for wrongs I might not have personally done to somebody, but somebody else did in the name of my faith. Um, and I think that's an important step to take, but that has been generally my experience. But, I mean, usually productive things come out of a more apologetic stance than a defensive stance, so. That's an interesting statement, so um, in terms of more productive things coming out of a certain type of stance versus another one, I mean, we talked about sort of stress in politics, we talked about, and Josh kind of mentioned, debating these things through a screen. Let's go to the totally other end of the spectrum, I guess. Let's talk about positive conversations about politics. Um, I'm curious if there's any specific ones you feel like you all have had, um, and sort of what that felt like, what the environment was around that, who the people were, and specifically, maybe um, positive conversations with people that may have had a different viewpoint than you might have. Whitney, you want to go? <laughs> um, I am stuck with those conversations because I have friends and family members across the entire political spectrum. Um, and, and that's not an exaggeration, <laughs> as evidenced by my Facebook feed. Um, I think that it. I think that it's why you will almost never see me put an angry emoticon on somebody's Facebook post. I cry a lot. There's a lot of crying, you know? Um, so, you know, I mean, that means I'm, I'm stuck in those situations, and I think one of the things that I've spent the last several months working on is, is increasingly, like, being willing to enter those conversations. There was a long period in my life where I was just like, I'm just going to sit here quietly, <laughs> you know, let you guys find most results. Um, so for me, that's been looking for opportunities to do that. Sometimes they just happen by chance. I mean, my book club was meeting a couple of weeks before the election, and we were hanging out, having brunch, and uh, we started talking about the election and how many propositions there were, and we ended up just spending like four hours looking everything up and looking for all the information that we could. Um, and I think what made that conversation possible was that all of us decided we were looking to understand, not to be right. Um, and, and it wasn't that we didn't want to make the best choice possible, but it, it wasn't a preconceived notion we were looking for information. Um, and what was great was between the three or four of us, we ended up being able to get information from people on both sides of most of the topics that were on the ballot. Um, my favorite was I was texting one friend who's a DA and like super pro capital punishment and another friend who's a lawyer who defends capital cases <laughs> for all of their viewpoints on um, the propositions that had to do with that. Um, and it was a productive time, and I think what centered that was we were looking for answers and understanding, and also that there was some level of, hey, I know you and I trust your character, even if I disagree with you. And that's what it really came down to. And I think sometimes we forget that when we get caught up in just trying to be right. Um, so. That's interesting. I mean, because I think when you, when you say that, I mean, it means that there has to be a certain amount of vulnerability, and that probably means a certain amount of the most productive political conversations that are having people that may disagree with you are probably people you're really close with. 
Did it help on your side? Any positive political conversations you can remember? And sort of what's yeah, what's yeah. Like? So I had the opportunity to, to travel to France a couple of years ago, and we were staying with a family, uh, and so we were having dinner with them, and uh, politics conversation came up. So immediately I was, you know, I'm in your house. I have no business talking politics with you. Like, let's have a nice dinner and not not deal with this. Um, yeah, I just. <laughs> so super, super uncomfortable for me. Uh, but you know, my family was there, and we, we started having this discussion, and it was it was super refreshing. It was, and quite frankly, it was shocking because already we had kind of the language barrier that, that was holding us back a little bit. Um, we def, you know we live in different countries, so there's kind of a different uh, idea around politics. Um, but it was just. You know, this person would talk, and everyone would be like, "Okay, got it, understood." And then the next person would talk, and it was more of a, "I'm not trying to convince you that my side is right or your side is right, wrong, whatever it is. Um, I'm just giving you my my viewpoint based on my life, based on my research, based on facts and figures that, that have been read." Um, and and everyone was just going around, and it wasn't it wasn't that idea of I need to convince you, it was the idea of I respect you, I love you, you're part of my family, or you're hosting me. Um, this is just a great opportunity to hear someone else's perspective without that weight of I need to prove you wrong or I need to prove myself right. Um, so that was just, just super refreshing. And I mean, if that's the way that political conversations went, we would have them over dinner every time. You know? um, but yeah, it was just, just really, really positive and a, a great way to have a, a conversation. So both of you just, just referred to like as conversations, not debates. Um, that's interesting. I mean, um, I, I guess I'm curious if, if that's the approach we should be taking more often. Is, is a conversation versus a debate? I mean, you both mentioned sort of trying to win and how that doesn't necessarily work, right? Because there is that pressure. Tess, um, what do you think from a positive political discussion? You probably never have all Positive and that wasn't really a positive response, but um, 
I'm getting better at not like at retracting my claws and um, to I I went to a yoga class and <laughs> <laughs> at the end where you lay and do nothing and I was like praying about it and I was like you know like God just like teach me what to say here and I actually felt like I had a moment of peace and so I went back and I was like hey like I see like you see this kid giving this money to schools and you say yes but they need God and I look at it and I see and I say but look at God giving them what they need. And I think that really helped. Like, that was the first time she ever, like, came back to me and was like, you're right, maybe I'm just being cynical. And I think what I'm learning is, especially from my angle, who's more liberal, talking to somebody more Christian conservative, like, if I continue to come to the stance that I'm trying to come from, my belief in God and where I see God working and um, I think that disarms that person who feels attacked for being a Christian right now from the left. So that was a big breakthrough moment for me recently of just being like, okay, like I've been approaching this wrong. I've been combative. I've been trying to say my point um, in a political way. And in some cases, I think it is good to come from your heart from your faith and really take that approach and taking that step and quieting and praying about it before responding if possible, you know, I think is, is for me, it was hugely helpful, so. Um, I was going to say, because it's a great example of one of the things I was thinking about this week and for this, um, some of the really important phrases in my life were, um, I would love to know where you get that idea or, or why you believe what you do. Um, and sometimes you have to say that in a calm, quiet voice five or six times <laughs> because people feel really defensive, right? And it's not just one side, it's everybody. Um, and I think it's also very helpful to ask clarifying questions because sometimes we argue about things because the words mean different things to different people. And I think with our parents, especially one of the things that has been helpful to me is to remember that for my parents who are well-meaning people, um, but have grown up with more privilege than they always recognize, and grew up in essentially a Christian culture, um, that they're losing something that I never lost. And so they experience all of that differently than I do. And so, and that doesn't mean it's, that I change my mind about what I think about certain things. But it, what I mean is that's just one example of like recognizing people's humanity and the fear that they might be dealing with in approaching a new idea. Um, and I think that's true too when we talk about, you know, like if you're discussing gay rights with someone who's actually gay, they experience that situation differently than I do as a heterosexual person. And so being willing to really be kind and empathetic, even if we disagree politically, being willing to hear each other out makes a difference. And sometimes we walk away still disagreeing, but at least you're not feeling the same like hate or distance from those people. Awesome.
Well, I, mean, I think that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, a few things just to wrap up. I mean, I think, um, you know, again, we started with that sort of idea of stress, which everybody sort of feels right now. But I, I think, you know, a few themes that seem to come out here is, you know, number one, everybody's coming from a good place. Um, and I think that's generally true of all people, whether or not they're on this stage or out in the world. Um, you know, there's probably, there's definitely exceptions to that, but the majority of people, I think, if we enter conversations that way, um, that's a good place to begin from. I think, two, conversation versus debate is maybe the right thing to get done, the right way to get things done. I think, you know, lastly, um, you know, I think that this type of conversation can happen in a church setting when it is a conversation and not a debate, and it allows for nuance and it allows for people to be people. Um, and I think that can be done productively. So, I mean, I think, um, Thank you all so much. And I think one thing I want to just note is the sort of vulnerability and risk of sitting on a stage like this this morning um, for these three people. And I think um, what that takes. And I think that hopefully it felt like a good discussion for everybody. It felt like a good conversation um, that we really had to thank you guys for. So just thank, thank you guys so much. Can we thank these guys again? Uh, what Steven said is really true. Like, to come up here, that's, that's a brave thing. And I'm always struck with the eloquence of like the people on these panels. Like, that, that, David, I didn't know you could talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty impressive. I, did. <laughs> um, I, I wanna, uh, I wanna stress something as we go through these conversations. Where we have one more left. So we have uh, one that's on service in two weeks and we're actually gonna bring in uh, different service organizations from our city around Los Angeles uh, and we're gonna ask them hey what does our city need like what what kind of ways can we be getting plugged in and where is there really a need and where is there hurt and where can we help uh, so that's gonna be fantastic that's in two weeks um, it's the one after Memorial Day weekend so when you're back from vacation <laughs> you can go back to church um, but I was just I was struck uh, just watching this conversation being part of this conversation about how uh, when Jesus would literally encounter someone uh, and, and he knew that he needed to somehow change their mind about something. It was never this like opening of a big giant book, slapping it down, pulling your finger down and going, it says it right here, right? If, if Jesus wanted to actually like cause someone to be empathetic towards another or wanted to like move the needle a little bit in their heart, he would actually go, hey, let me tell you a story. And he would, he would use parables, or he would say, hey, let me ask you a question. So he would open up dialogue, or he would leave you with a story that you would be able to chew on as you walked through life. And maybe it, wouldn't, it would take like 10 years, but down the line, 10 years from now, you might go, oh, that's what he meant about that prodigal son thing, right? Like, maybe not off the bat, maybe you're like, no, this guy's off his rocker. But then, like, you were just walking along one day, and you're like, oh, my God. Because that's the beauty of a story. It sticks with us. It, it unfolds like a rose inside of our soul. And that's what Jesus was always, always, always about. And so as we engage in conversations with people, I pray that we would do it lovingly like that, with stories and with questions, and not just coming like, I have all the answers. Here you go. Boom. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us. And then here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, we're going to take communion. I think there's some lovely pita bread. It's funny, our bread is rotational. <laughs> it's seasonal. Uh, so you can uh, dip that into the cup and remember what Christ has done for you and what Christ is doing for you. And this is the most important thing we do 
all morning. So I, I pray you really engage with that. Also, that box there is our biggest piece of technology at the church, the little cardboard box. Uh, you have community cards that are on your uh, seats. If you have prayer requests or anything uh, that we can be doing life with you in, like please put that on there, and, and we'll pray for you this week. Uh, as well as just like give us your email. We email you once a week just to let you know what's going on here uh, at the church. Um, so this morning, since we have a little bit bigger of a crowd, what we'll do is we'll go front row, and then you all can come this way, but then go back the other way around so that we don't get like a big traffic jam right here. Is that good? Um, yeah, let me pray for us. God, I am, uh, again, just so grateful that you've allowed us this space. Uh, Lord, there's a lot of uh, potentially triggering language in what we talked about this morning, and I just want to pray that, um, Lord, whatever we believe should not prevent us from love. In fact, if it does, then that's probably not a great belief. So I pray that you would bring us further in love with each other, with you, with this city, with this country. I just pray for peace, perfect peace, as we saw earlier.